If you heard part one of the Fred Ball trilogy, you know a little more about Fred Ball. But what does Fred Ball know about Humble and Fred? Let's find out more in part two of the Fred Ball trilogy. This episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, Kelsey's, and Bodog. Fred looks at me and, he, and he's starting to hesitate as if I would have a reaction, a negative reaction, but he says they're bringing Howard back, right? And I look and I said, Fred, that is absolutely the best thing that could ever happen to you. I thought that the chemistry between you two guys was so great on the air, and this is going to continue. I said, this is great news, yeah, regardless Jeff, of, yeah. of what I thought about Howard uh, outside of the station type thing. But <laughs> I recognized greatness. Well, what do you mean by that? Like, what did you think of Howard outside of the station? Just that he, you know, commanded the room and he was a... Uh... Well, as he puts it, he can sour a room. He can say the wrong thing. <laughs> Did he ever sour time. the room uh, when you were in it, or, or no? Anything was any everything was okay in that environment. Uh, from my standpoint, I'm I've always had been good with Howard, and we've always had a great uh, connection. In my opinion, also, you know, like he started flying in that, but I had a commercial pilot's license, oh. so uh, that was what I did after high school, and. And uh, so uh, being a, a pilot already, he's going. So, you know, we had that in common. Uh, but I've never had any, any issues with Howard uh, in, uh, in, in any respect other than uh, good. But I also didn't play up to the people who did have problems, you know, whatever they had. I don't know what it was, but, you know, whatever they, they had in their mind uh, that was soured. But I didn't uh, play along with that either. So during that period, I think it's about 18 months or something, but when Howard was at Mix 99.9, so he, I guess, okay, so he comes to town September 1989. There's the Humble and Fred show. He only lasts, I think it's about a year or something before he uh, basically quits for the job at what was called CKFM, but is now going to be called uh, Mix 99.9. Howard famously right. is the first guy to say that. And while he's gone, only I only know this for a record, even though I do kind of remember, but my memory is not as trustworthy as these cassette tapes I'm holding right now, Mr. Ball. And on these tapes, I can tell you it was uh, Scott Turner, S-K-O-T, by the way. He's gone to S-C-O-T yes. now. Yes, I know that. And May Potts hosting with Freddie P on the morning show. So right. Scott, May, and Fred, they kind of hold down the fort. And then Howard comes back and the rest is history. Exactly. And I said that, as I said, Fred, this is the best thing that could happen to you. You guys had a chemistry that was incredible. And it's going to continue uh, for time to come. And look at this today. It's still all of these years later, uh, still together and, uh, and making great uh, content and great radio. Well, this now, thank you for introducing the podcast because I we're going to get more Fred on Fred. If I get enough content from this chat, Fred, and I think I will, this is going to be a trilogy, okay? It's going to be a three-parter sure. here. But the podcast, and I know this because I was there, but the first episode of any podcast we ever did was at Dan Duran's house in December 2006. 
And yes. uh, I was there and I was the back end technical producer guy for that. Were you listening to that? Like, what were your thoughts when uh, Freddie P said, we're going to do this thing called a podcast and uh, get the band back together? What were your thoughts? I have nothing but good thoughts. Uh, and, and the way Fred described it was they're going to conduct it like a radio show. And, but as the one that you're talking about at dance, like that was like a, a one-off. They did a couple of those. I've always, I always listened to those, uh, you know, and uh, it was the well-produced uh, and at, um, at, from the standpoint of uh, when Fred was no longer the program director in Peterborough, and he had the, his his blog, Canadian Thinker, that uh, that was good. And well, that comes later, right? So okay, so these one offs you're talking about. So the first one at Dan yeah. Duran's house, and then we did a couple at Proud FM, and we basically kind of we we might have done another one at Dan's house. I'm trying to remember where the hell we did these. There was one at a bar to celebrate like 25 years of the Dominion, I believe, was celebrating 25 years. All that's yeah. before Fred is the program director at the Wolf, right? This is when he's still living off that contract he signed with Mix 99.9. Yes. Okay, because he's got, I don't know, yes. a five-year deal and he's paid to yeah. do nothing. And then he start, He does start because I help him with set up a Canadian Thinker and yeah. lots of uh, interesting Fred Patterson takes at Canadian Thinker. But then after the Wolf thing and after Howard goes to Easy Rock, which becomes Boom, and he's co-hosting, right. he's with, uh, call, I'm doing a fast version here, but he's with Colleen Rushholm, and then they fire him and replace him with Stu Jeffries, which is kind of ironic for a bunch of different reasons. Then finally, in October 2011, it's time to get serious. We're going to yes. do this uh, every day like it's uh, their job, and it's going to be like a radio show, but obviously it's a podcast. And I think, although I only found this out recently, they were hoping a radio station would hear this and hire them. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes. They never told me that part. Like I thought, hey, we're doing a podcast because I'm like a podcast first guy because I never worked at radio. But you've been in, like you're an OG Hundy P, right? You've been on board yeah. since day one of this thing. I was in their studios right at the beginning as well to... Uh, to see it. And as you know, it's like Fred's dining room table yeah. and uh, all of the equipment that, that they had. And in that building on uh, 30th, 30th uh, street, the, the, in the, in the lower level was a, a company called printer gateway, which was a big supplier of mine, oh. of my companies. So I've been in that building many times and wow. had been there lots of times. So when, uh, when they told me that's where they were working out of, I said, that's unbelievable. So I would go down to see uh, my my vendor, and then I would uh, run up to uh, to see Fred and Howard. But I did a f quite a few shows too from that studio. Always listened. It, always a great idea. I remember in the beginning when they the s some of the sponsors that they had was uh, one was the the. Um, the guy from uh, Know Your Roots, like uh, your background, Ancestry.ca. And he was an integral part in helping them with how they can monetize uh, with with um, social media and that, like a website and that. So that guy was, uh, was very helpful in that. Obviously, the Slate family uh, was was a, an early sponsor and kept, kept going with them forever uh, solely to support Canadian 
uh, content and and uh, talent, but they did have the name for themselves. Like they had a brand, as they say, they 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 decided to make it, uh, you know, a, a regiment of time and 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 everything. So it, it, all of that combined together, and 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 uh, their their brand, their specific talent, obviously was the the main catalyst, and then some help from others. It turned into greatness, but I never thought one second that it was, you know, something. No, you're insane. You're crazy. Yeah. You can't be doing this. Not for one second. All I thought was, this is a great outlet. You and I were the true believers, Fred. Yeah, and it, and and I knew that it was going to be successful uh, as long as they kept at it, and it did, and uh, and it has proved to them to be incredibly successful. Uh, throughout the time period, they've had sponsors come and go. Um, they've uh, they've had ones that took advantage of them. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, the when uh, one funny part was uh, the they came on and talked about how they, they said they didn't say the name, uh, but it was uh, coincided from that. Uh, traffic guy taking advantage of them and QLD stopping their, like ending their agreement for advertising at the moment. So it, so it turned out they, that everybody thought that it was QLD who did, who screwed them oh. because of the coincidence. <laughs> right. And they couldn't figure that out. So I, I wrote a, a an email to Fred and Howard that said, Hey, Dumbos. And I said, <laughs> The reason that everybody thinks is that it was QLD is because of this, you know, and uh, and ended with, uh, you know, like, you fucking idiots type thing. But Well, of course, as we know, because you and I are students of the game here, QLD is David White, who is Howard's dear friend. Like, they're like yes. BFFs or He's whatever. He's also a pilot, and yeah. David White's birthday and my birthday are on the same day. Get so out of here. Another uh, coincidence. <laughs> Yeah, he's a pilot, and uh, he used to, I used to get passes to the CNE during the air show, thanks to the great David yes. White. And I was at Howard's house for a New Year's Eve party once when David was looking after like a Great Dane. I don't think he owned the Great Dane, but he was dog-sitting. And I went upstairs, because we were in the basement for the countdown, and I went upstairs, and I was the first one up. And I can't tell you how large this pile of dog oh, shit know. was. Yeah. I've so I've never in my life seen such a. It was like uh, in Jurassic Park when you saw like the dinosaur dung or whatever. It was it was I couldn't believe a dog did that in the middle of the living room. It was enormous. <laughs> Get your shovels. Like this is enormous. Like I witnessed this, oh, wow. and as I recall, that dog's name was Forrest. Like that's in my head somehow that it was Forrest. But uh, right. so David White did not. You know he paid his invoices, but we're of course it's the uh, if I, I channel yeah. I can hear Phil's voice in my head singing parkaticketguy.com or something like that. Yes. And that's exactly uh so it just was a coincidence at that time but but the way they were cryptically <laughs> saying it you you imagined that it was QLD and wow. Scandal. So I, I straightened them out and uh, they read my email on the air uh, at the time but it's funny you say about this air show so yeah. uh the uh, David White got uh, myself and, and Nancy a couple of uh, uh, great seats for the air show in, in Kitchener-Waterloo. And uh, it was uh, a fantastic event. At the time, Howard was uh, dating Lady Friend, right? Mm -hmm. 
So it was uh, in the booth that we're standing, and we had met before because I right. had them up skiing and like snowboarding at the club I'm at at Blue Mountain. And uh, so anyway, so lady friend standing there, and and Nancy overhears two kid, two guys are probably mid twenties say, "That's Howard's girlfriend right there." And the other guy goes, how the fuck can he get a girlfriend looking like that? And the other guy says, because he's fucking rich. That's how. <laughs> and I told Howard that story afterwards, and he laughed his head off and said it on the air uh, on the podcast the following day or week. I feel sorry, I Fred. Saying. I feel sorry for like the, the new, you know, there's a bunch of listeners who came on board. They call them the Voldemort uh, wave of listeners who yes. come on board with the John Derringer thing. And I kind of like, oh, Poor people, they missed the lady friend era. Like, because lady friend, who yeah, I knew quite well, she was at my wedding. So, lady friend attended my wedding as Howard's uh, plus one. And she's been on my pod. Now that I recall, Amanda's been on my podcast a couple of times. But, like, it's kind of right. like we have, like, did that happen? Like, Howard dating the, I think she was like, I don't know, mid 20s or something when they started dating. And it kinda, it's kind of, it's kind of wild that that, uh, <laughs> that chapter even ha- yes. happened. So. Well, it, it, you know, and I said to Howard, like, they're going to come up on a Saturday <laughs> skiing and they snowboard. And I said, Howard, do you want me to sign her up for the kid program? <laughs> Stuff like that. Oh, yeah, you're funny. But, so uh, but there was never ending jokes of that nature. When uh, she was moving in, I remember Fred. Howard saying to Fred, she's going to be moving in in a week. And Fred says, why so long? You're getting the nursery ready? (laughs) (laughs) It was too easy, but it was a great, great time for the great content for the show. (laughs) All right. now She was very nice. I know we spent time together on that. And, uh, but uh, that was that. And then to, to do a Fred on Fred a bit with the skiing parts. uh, So there were times like, uh, Kevin O'Leary and, and, and a couple of his friends, one uh, Drew Stonehouse, whose nickname was Slows for some reason, but they uh, would rent a chalet at Blue Mountain uh, for the season. Okay, and, it, and it's, these were walking distance to the hill pretty well. So they, these were uh, chalets. They could sweep like 10 people, that type of thing. Um, and I being uh, a skier there and living near there, I, I know the place that they had rented like a couple of times, but so we would uh, come up and, and uh, go skiing. Uh, and at the time, my, my abilities were, were non-existent. Fred could ski, Doug, he, he couldn't do anything. So we were up here and uh, the first night we were out on a couple of the ski hills in Blue Mountain and, uh, Doug, he's on the bunny hill uh, because he's uh, not ready for anything past that in his mind, and rightfully so. So Fred and I go over there uh, on the bunny hill to to watch Doug, to help him, right? So uh, Doug's down a skis off, right? So Fred bends over to pick the ski up and falls and knocks out his shoulder, so now his shoulders uh, in pain, and this is like Friday night, and so for the weekend. So then we go back to the chalet, and now he's he's uh, done, right? He can't ski anymore. Now he's just gonna complain for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> so he says, "Someone drive me home," but no one would. <laughs> so, I want to call my dad to come and get me, but no one would. 
So uh, pre-cell phone dates. But so anyway, he's lying on the couch for the whole weekend crying about his shoulder while the rest of us uh, continued to uh, to party and that. But uh, that was, uh, and he has no recollection of any of that. And he would say, you know, fuck off, I didn't do that. I didn't act that way. I said, Fred, you did. I was there watching you. You've been documenting uh, the the ongoing history of Freddie P, essentially. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I find it incredible that he has no recollection of any of these things that... Uh, that, that we uh, did, you know, like the, the outings, the parties, the, when, uh, you know, you, the edge fest and, and all of these things, he just doesn't have any memory of it at all. And yet I clearly remember all of the things and Fred likened it one day by saying, well, Bull didn't have a life. I was his whole, like partying at CFNY was his whole life. Of course he remembers things. And I said, that's not true, Fred. I had a whole other life with other friends, and I remember everything that we did and happened with them. Uh, it's the same. All right. So before, we're going to collect some of your favorite, like, Fred on Fred stories, because I think the listenership loves these uh, Fred on Fred Patter, Fred Ball and Fred Patterson stories. But I just want to, because you dropped a couple of little uh, hints there. You're like, you had a commercial pilot license, and then you were working with the print shop that was on 30th Street below where the Humble and Fred were recording for years before they bought this property on uh, Islington near Queensway, where they are today. Yes. Although, where they are today. Freddie P is not there, but Howard's there. Freddie P is wherever, yes. wherever Freddie P wants to be. But... Who's Fred Ball? Like, obviously, you're married to Nancy. That gets you in the CFNY crew, and that's how you meet uh, Fred and then eventually Howard as well. But, like, tell me a little bit in a nutshell, who the hell are you? Right. Well, it's uh, from my pilot's license. So, and then uh, I was uh, taking an IFR course, uh, that, and uh, in this IFR course was all 18, 19-year-old pilots like me and one old guy who was at the time in his 50s. And this guy owned a company called Source Data Control, which was a business forms manufacturing company. So uh, I have a, a, I'm colorblind. And even though I passed a practical color test, in flying when i was applying for any job anywhere as a pilot i was always not going anywhere uh, because there was always a dozen pilots ahead of me that weren't colorblind that didn't have the issue so one day and when my my dad paid for all of my training and everything it was like him paying for me to go to university and it's very expensive to get a commercial pilot's license uh, in the seventies and today it would cost you, you know, over six figures, uh, because of the flying time that you have to have before you can write your exams. Uh, you have to uh, do that. So I, I had, uh, help with that and it was all tax deductible for, for him at the time. But once I had the license, once I had everything now, every hour is right out of the pocket. And if you're not making any decent money, you, it's it becomes uh, quickly so unaffordable, uh, and if I wasn't getting a job, so I look in the paper and I see a job for a sales rep at Source Data Control. This only, the guy that I was in the IFR, IFR class. By the way, we all passed and he didn't, <laughs> and uh, he was just too busy running a company. But he had a a, a, 
a, a Cessna twin engine with full IFR capabilities that, uh, you know, and he would take clients to Florida or, or to like to the masters and then end up not being able to fly back because of bad weather. And he'd have to hire a pilot with this IFR to fly back. So, uh, anyway, I, so I see the job, I send in a resume, uh, which, you know, in, in the 1980 times, like 79, there's not much to, uh, to send in about you, you hand write the thing. Anyway, I get a call and I get the job and I start working as a sales rep there and, and that's selling business forms. Then that turned into uh, going to another business forms company and in 1987, starting my own company uh, with a partner and uh, and so we started, and from 1987 until 2011, we sold the company to a U.S. company, and uh, and I'm still working for that company. But it's been printing uh, business forms, ran the company with uh, several employees for the whole time, and now okay. I'm the the so-called head guy of Canada wow. of this company that is worldwide HH global. We are in 40 countries. Our revenues are 2.3 billion us dollars. So it's a big company and I'm supposedly the head guy of Canada. And, and you were the man <laughs> uh, who brought uh, humble and Fred, the, uh, the humble and Fred t-shirts, right? Yes. Yes. I, I uh, supplied those. I supplied a few different things uh, for them over the years. Uh, some of the, like the signs that they have, I didn't, I arranged for certain vendors of mine to, to, to work with them, you know, at, at my wholesale price uh, is what I did mostly so that they could take advantage of my pricing okay. and, and deal with the companies direct. So, yeah, no, we did that, that the t-shirts and that they could probably do a lot more merch uh, if they, uh, if it, if they wanted to, but, I well, understand why they why they work what they do. Well, I know I can tell you that because uh, I still don't know when this will drop because it depends when Howard takes a week off to go to Mexico uh, to see the the new lady friend. I think, but okay, the yes. uh, <laughs> which we all know that story. But there is a Christmas an in person Christmas party is in the works. Like this is, and it's been a right. long time since we've had an in-person party. 2019, I think, was the last Christmas, any party we had in person. So we're planning an in-person party this December. It would be amazing to have something for that, like new t-shirts or something. I just think that'd be awesome. But this is a whole separate conversation uh, we can have later. I definitely am on board uh, for that. That's the other thing, too. I was at every single uh, Christmas, Humble and Fred Christmas that they had, except for uh, one was 1999, and the other one was uh, around in the mid 2011s or, or be, before that. Even uh, I, whatever, yeah, it was probably after they started the podcast, but it was a snowstorm, and I live in Wasaga Beach, and I couldn't right. get there. But right. uh, amazing. What, what was your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Because they had some pretty big, uh, some pretty big bands playing these, uh, especially at the horseshoe. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was amazing in that um, the very first one was in the studio and there was hardly anybody there, but Nancy and I were there, and uh, you know, and then their families and that. So we uh, uh, that 
they don't even recall, you know, who all was in the studio at that time, but it was just in the studio. But once they started having them at other locations, you know, they, they had several at the Bloor Street sales office at CFNY. Uh, we have the bare naked ladies in that. And because of our status, we always got to stand behind the ropes type thing, you know, where they had it uh, for uh, the uh, so-called VIP. But standing beside, you know, uh, an, a f- less than a foot away from Stephen Page and listening to that guy's voice, listening to him sing was so incredible, so spectacular that, like it was unbelievable that voice that just when you're in that environment, other ones like at the horseshoe with, uh, uh, my son, Alex was with me. He was probably 12 at the time. And he sees George Stromalopoulos and corners, the guy firing a hundred questions at him. I was wondering how George was going to get away from that, but he finally did. But, uh, that was some 41, I think was the, the headliner at that time. But, so all of the bands all over the years uh, uh, that we that I played there, and and uh, uh, it was uh, just fantastic to be part of it all the time, and ne- never missed uh, missed one of them. Amazing. Now, in your mind, I we never talked about this, Fred, but do you have like a top five? Fred Patterson stories. I don't even know how you have this all organized in your mind. If it just things remind you of the story or whatnot, but like, would you would you just share some of your favorite Freddie P stories, or is that a, a big ask? No, no. The, like the the Fred on Fred stories are the ones where he did something ridiculous, and I call him out on it. But and other ones like uh, we were doing a. A Wankies across the border and we're at this uh, restaurant in um, Niagara Falls, New York called Honey's. It's like a chicken wing place. So, and we're sitting outside, right? And we had, you know, pitchers of beer, plates of chicken wings. And, uh, and on the, sitting outside on the street and there's an intersection right there and this guy, an old guy, like, and once again, we're in our 20s, right? So an old guy starts crossing the street and Fred, <laughs> he picks up chicken wings and he starts throwing them at the guy right he's that far what? away but it, like it's a good throw but he's throwing them at the guy and they're landing around him and that guy's going hey stop that you little bastards and all this stuff right so then uh the guy gets across the street and i'm i'm sitting you know laughing my head off at fred's action i said fred what are you doing that's an old guy you're throwing chicken wings at him what's going on and fred looks at me and I, this is the best part because it's his justification, okay? He says, what are you talking about? I just made that guy's week. Oh. I said, how do you figure that? Because he's going to go home and tell his wife forever about that guy who threw chicken wings at him. I said, if I didn't do that, he'd be going home and flipping on the TV and just flipping channels all night in his boring life. But now he's got this story to tell about someone throwing chicken wings at him. I said, Fred, that's your justification. That's how you oh. you, you think this is good. this is all right. Well, Fred, now I'm thinking, crazy man, the poor guy who went to his shed to get his tools and saw they were some guy stole his tools. <laughs> yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Freddie P's probably thinking. <laughs> I love Freddie P, but he's probably thinking, that guy can tell this story for the rest of his life that his some idiot right. stole his tool. In that case, he had no idea what happened because no one was there. But 
the uh, but in this one it was uh, so anyway his justification of it just uh, floored me and I laughed my head off. <laughs>